Welcome to Cool Films with Larry Hot on Talk the Talk. Larry has with him and us today in the studio a very special guest because there's a very special event we want you to know about. So let me turn the microphone over to you, Mr. Hot. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Dan. And I have with me my close and dear friend, Roger Sherman. Hello. We go back over 50 years. You had to say that? I had to say that. But you look, you're looking good, Roger. Why is Roger here? Uh, Roger and I are fellow filmmakers. Roger was a... I love the part of this where Larry does both parts of the interviews. (laughs) Here, here, this is my line, Larry. Why is Roger here? (laughs) Let me tell you, Bill. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Roger and I go way back. Roger actually got me involved with filmmaking. He introduced me to Ken Burns. Roger is a co-founder with Ken Burns and Buddy Squires of Florentine Films. I joined shortly after. And uh, he has been my mentor and good friend for, uh, you know, decades and decades and decades. Uh, we follow each other's work, and this is the first time we've ever been able to do an interview together. So this, this is, is a true. special moment. Let me just tell you a little bit about Roger. He's won two Academy Award nominations. He has an Emmy, a Peabody, a James Beard Award. He was awarded a Forward 50 that's given to Jews who have influenced American culture. And he won the Yitzhak Rabin Spice of Life Culinary Award probably for... Um, in search of Israeli cuisine. Yes, you a, do your research, Larry. This a, a great one. I'm, I'm reading from your bio, Roger. <laughs> and Roger is in town because last night he showed a great film of his, a recent film called The Second Life of Jamie P. And we're going to play a clip from it in a minute, but Roger, could you just tell us what this film is about and, and what was it like to bring it back to, alma, to your alma mater, Hampshire College, where this person, Jamie P., went to school with you. Jamie and I were college roommates, and we've been friends for over 40 years, and she called me one day and said, I am transitioning. And I thought, wow, this would be a fantastic film. Excuse me. Jamie was not so sure. She was in the middle of the transition. Most trans portraits at the time were looking back, I had trouble with my parents, but we're fine now. Jamie was in the middle of a very, very how old? Time. How old was Jamie at this point? Jamie was 63 years old. Jamie always thought she was a man until one night, like a bolt of lightning, she realized she was a woman. And this person, Jamie, life as a man, had a family. What kind of family? She had been married for 30 years, divorced. She had two children. She was in some very tough times, and we, um, I followed her transition for a year. It's emotional, it's revelatory, it's often funny. I thought this was a brilliant film, um, and I was taken by it. I watched it all the way through thinking, um, like, honestly, I wish I'd made this film. <laughs> so can we hear a clip, Dan? Let's hear a, a clip from The Second Life of Jamie P. The man that I married... 30 years ago is now a woman. I felt like my dad was choosing to leave me and go away and disappear for this other woman, for this evil stepmother. (laughs) Changing your hormone balance puts you through a new puberty because when your mind changes, 
Your whole personality changes with it. He listens to Justin Bieber. He like genuinely likes Justin Bieber. This is it right here, honey. Dysphoria. It's a horrible experience. You have no idea what it's like to lie on a bench for four hours. Okay, that was a, a, a snowblower that uh, Jamie P was using there. Um, but good place to end the trailer. What was the challenge, the biggest challenge, getting this film together? First of all, Jamie didn't know she wanted to be in a film. She was, had serious reservations. This was the toughest time of her life. Her daughter, Tina, who you just heard from, was, had a, a meltdown, crawled up on a, in a ball, on the floor, Jamie hadn't talked to his ex-wife in three years, called her up and said, you have to come here. Uh, being misgendered, for me, it was, how do I show this transition? How do I do it for a year? And how do I do it from New York when Jamie's in Weston, Massachusetts? Okay, so I wanna ask you about that because Jamie is listed as a co-producer, if not co-director, and a lot of the interviews are self-interviews that Jamie is doing while driving. Yes. Right? And I was impressed by the quality of the interview and that you're not there. Jamie is just talking to herself. And to her audience. Jamie is a super tech. She taught at Boston University engineering. She engineered Al Gore's current TV and two others. She has, at the time, she had six GoPros. And I... Basically said I to know her, people who had five GoPros, but that's, that's, I've never <laughs> known anybody go that high. I would say she would call me crying. Somebody had misgendered her. Somebody had been very mean to her. And I was her friend in that moment. And when we were done with telling me the story, I'd say, Jamie, now you need to go to your car and turn on your GoPro and tell us what happened to you. So I became the director after being the friend. And she really got a lot out of that. And that was a really great part of the film. Had she not done that, I don't know how I would have been able to make yeah. the film. We're talking with Roger Sherman, who is the director, or in this case, co-producer, director, with Jamie P. of The Second Life of Jamie P. about a man who transitions to a woman, um, although this person is in already in his her 60s. And misgendering is a big issue in, in the film. Uh, I want to ask you about a scene here that is both painful and extraordinary. It's when Jamie P. goes to Los Angeles for bottom surgery. Could you explain what that is and how, you, how, the, how did you get access to film in an operating room? Well, actually, it was the first time I'd ever filmed in an operating room, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, Dr. Marcy Bowers, who's a very famous surgeon who does bottom surgery, transition surgery, which they call confirmation surgery, is also transgender. And she was very kind and very generous, and she basically narrates what's going on while, while performing the surgery. While performing the surgery. Now, a little film trick, she's wearing a mask, which means that you can have her say anything you want at that time. And I did, because <laughs> we did a long interview with her before. Please, audience, don't tell anybody where, that I, I cheated at this. But the challenge as a, as a filmmaker, because I shot this film as well as directed it and produced it, was to show the surgery without showing the surgery. 
So you're in there, you see a tiny little bit of blood, but you're not seeing the actual surgery. But you're understanding because she tells us it's not, she's not cutting off Jamie's penis. She's making, using everything to make a vagina, which most people do not know. And so it's quite... Yeah. We had a trans woman author on the show recently. And what I was struck by in her book, and what I'm struck by in the way you describe this, Roger Sherman, as confirmation surgery, is that in her book, in this memoir, uh, she spends a relatively small amount of time on what she describes as bottom surgery, saying it was just confirmation. It's not the focus. It's, it's, it's a part of what I did, but many trans women don't have to do this. And I'm wondering how big a part this event, this surgery, plays in the film and how much emphasis you give it. That's a great question. It doesn't play big in the film, but for Jamie, it was incredibly important to do. She didn't feel whole until that's what it, what happened to her. And remember, she was 63 years old. She didn't get to have a life of growing up female. So she felt that my life is getting to be towards Is that the why end. she likes Justin Bieber so much? <laughs> There's actually one of the funniest moments is in the film is when she says, I'm an adolescent again. I'm a teenager. And then the daughter says, how could she possibly and like And she Justin was Bieber? wearing clothes of a teenager. Yeah. And, Miniskirts. You know, her do- she, there's a, a, a moment in the film where her ex-wife, Elaine, says, you know, and sometimes Tina calls me and says, Mom... Dad's a bimbo. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't definitely dresses like like a bimbo. You know, the, the, in spite of the power of the operating room scene, the emotion in the film doesn't come from that. The emotion in the film actually comes from the reaction of her children, right? Could you talk a little bit about how difficult it was, or or what did you have to do to get them to talk to you? Well, as you know, Larry, the thing that makes us filmmakers, if we're going to make a good film, is the interview. If you don't have good subjects, if you don't have good people, you don't have a film. And I have worked for decades to get people to open up. And I think it's our personalities and I think it's years of interviewing people. And she just, Tina just opened up. And the follow-up question is often more interesting than the question you've written down that you want to ask her. And we have conversations and we talk and Mm. I probe a little deeper and I probe a little deeper and you don't just come out and ask the tough question. You sort of take an end run to it. You know, the film film actually has a really good arc to it. Um, And that's one of the things I admire in it. And you see that because you see sort of a change in the way the daughters relate to what was their father and now, actually, there's a scene where when they, the daughter talks about saying they have to introduce their father as their mother to avoid confusion or a long discussion in a restaurant with the waitstaff, for example. Um, and I, you know, certain elements of this film, I, I think, are going to stay with me for a, a long time. Yeah, I'd like to ask you a, a question going back. This is the follow-up question. How big a role does 
age play in this film. 63, that's an entire lifetime. And then to transition at that age, that seems particularly difficult. But maybe I'm wrong. Yes, I. in fact, age did not play a lot into it. It did play for her brother who thought, you're too old, why are you doing this? They're still not speaking. Her brother also was a classmate of ours at Hampshire College. But what's been so interesting in the aftermath of the film and distribution of the film is that it's really helped a lot of people, especially trans families and the friends of transgender people. And I was afraid that because of Jamie's age, someone who has a trans family member and they're a young person, they wouldn't relate. But it turns out it's it's universal. And what Jamie is going through is universal. And last night at Hampshire College when we showed it, a student who is transgender said, I couldn't believe all the similarities. I went through all the same things. At the age of 17 or, or well, even younger. Well, you know, 18, yeah. 19, yeah. 20. I went through all the same things that, that you went through. I was astonished. We are speaking with Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott and filmmaker Roger Sherman, who has so many accolades and awards, they're hard to listen to them all in the intro. Uh, his new film is A Second Life of Jamie P. We'll continue this conversation right after this. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with distinguished and multi-award winning filmmakers Larry Hott and Roger Sherman. They are Hampshire College graduates and co-founders of Florentine Films. Roger Sherman's new film, A Second Life of Jamie P., he showed at Hampshire College last night, and it is available for us to see. It sounds absolutely fascinating. Where, how can we see it? Well, according to Roger's website, <laughs> you can see it at, on Amazon Prime, on Apple TV, on YouTube, and a few other places. Uh, widely available. And if you go to FlorentineFilms.com, you'll see the websites for me and Roger and Ken Burns and Buddy Squires, and you can click through and go right to Roger's website where there's a trailer for this film, and you get all the information about it. There's also a research page, a, a resource page, where we have resources where people who are transgender and LGBTQ can find things that might be helpful to them in their lives or families' lives. You know, Roger, I want to ask you about the process of making this film. I know it was self-funded, which is a big issue right there, but you also were the editor, and you're not used to being the editor. What are the pitfalls? Uh, this is a big issue in filmmaking. Uh, what are the pitfalls when you edit your own film? And what were the pitfalls, problems you had with making this film and being the only person, possibly, making the decisions in the editing room? And along the way, if I might, Roger, I'd like to know how much film did you have and how did you edit it down to what length? 
Well, let me go back to the self-funding because I broke the first rule of documentary filmmaking. Don't ever put your own money into it. But if I had waited to raise money, Jamie wouldn't be going through the extreme emotions that she would. So I said, okay, I can you fund took a this risk. myself. I yeah. had a little camera. I could do that. I am not technical. I had never edited before. I had worked with editors. It's a wonderful experience to collaborate with editors. I had to learn the editing program. It took me two or three times as mm -hmm. long. And it was a, a big, big challenge. Of course, we all, as filmmakers, if you're a smart filmmaker, you mm -hmm. have people come in who will kick your butt, who will not just say, oh, you're great. Um, and that is very, very, very helpful. And humbling, too. But So in making this film, were there scenes that you were not sure about or that you had doubts about because you were the one doing the editing without the director standing over your shoulder? Or you are the director standing over your own shoulder, which is very awkward and painful. <laughs> You've never had scenes, Larry, that you didn't know if they should go in or not? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always do. And mm. the more you edit, the more you live with the, the material, the more things you can they start to come clear. Or when you have a little screening and three people out of five say, I'm not understanding that, you either have to recut it or cut it. But what's also interesting in filmmaking is sometimes just moving a scene to the further forward or further back, you'll understand it better. So it's not, I've worked with a lot of young filmmakers as a documentary doctor. And I always go back and ask them, show me your first cut. And I say, oh, this scene, we should move up to here and it'll make more sense. And they say, oh no, the network really hated that. I say, yes, but it was in the wrong place. Right, right. So you've been making films as long as I, or even longer, more than 50 years now. Oh, um, Larry. <laughs> but you, you look good. You, you're, you're <laughs> as you can all see on radio. <laughs> Do you think that the technology has changed this, or is the, are the elements of filmmaking always the same, regardless of what we're doing, uh, what we're using to make the film? It's about technique, not technology. And, you know, I absolutely think while it's easier to make a film in terms of the technology and things are faster, you don't have to cut and splice. Um, it's all about the story. It's we're all about the we're almost out of time, but uh, the second life of Jamie P., which you self-funded and self-edited, would you do this again? Or would you say, one time is enough. Uh, I made a great film, but I can't do that again. I'm sorry to say that the next film I made the Soul of a Farmer, which is a short about this wonderful farmer on Long Island, The Soul of a Farmer, I did it again. Would I do it again? No, never. <laughs> you didn't learn your but... lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking with Roger Sherman, my old friend and partner. We go back decades. Uh, we haven't had this discussion ever. No, it's nice to do it live in front of a big audience. Bill, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Well, it's been great having you both. I would appreciate it if uh, you, Larry Hodder, you, Roger Sherman, would tell us one more time, please, where we can see this film and how available it is. Go ahead, Roger. Uh, it's very available. You can go on the website. You can put up the name. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on all the major... The name is, again? The Second Life of Jamie P. And I assume when you returned to your alma mater, Hampshire, last evening, it was 
incredibly well received. Or it was very well received, and I sat next to Jamie. Neither of us had seen the film in quite a while, and she had a couple of very emotional moments knowing what this next scene was happening. But it w- it was a great thing. Roger Sherman, Larry Hot, thank you both so very much. This thank has you. been Cool Thanks. Films with Larry Hot. Our special guest, Roger Sherman. Just like a woman But she breaks Just like a little girl